Folks, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, and turn to the letter to the Galatians. It's in the New Testament. The letter to the Galatians. And we're going to look at chapter 4 again. Now, we've been doing a series entitled Accepted, Experiencing Grace Day by Day. And we're up to chapter 4, and I want you to focus on verses 8 through 20. We're going to see Paul's discussion with them in 8 through 20. Now, let's just kind of remind ourselves what we've been talking about as we've been going through the book of Galatians. What we're seeing here is that Paul is addressing a concern that he has for them, and it's a very real concern. He is concerned that they have left behind the simplistic truths of grace through Jesus Christ in salvation and have embraced a concept that they need to do something for acceptance with Christ, for acceptance with God. What has happened is, is that after Paul started the churches in Galatia, he left to move on to another area in his, his evangelistic missionary efforts, and then Judaizers came up from the church in Jerusalem. That is, those are Jewish Christians who felt that you needed to keep the law in order to be accepted by God. They came along and they were telling these new believers in Christ in Galatia that they needed to start keeping the laws to to follow the new moons and the festivals and, and to follow the dietary laws as well as to be circumcised if they were a male in order to be accepted by Christ. And in their eagerness to follow Jesus, these Galatian believers were doing that. And so Paul was writing this letter that we've been going through and trying to get them to understand that they didn't need to do that. That the new life in Christ gave them something different than following the old ways. But the problem is, the problem is, my friends, you and I have old habits Old habits. You know, understand what I mean when I say old habits? You and I have old habits that are hard to break. You ever seen that in your life? You develop habits in your life that you just keep doing, and, and maybe they're irritating to your spouse or to somebody else, but they're just not easy to get rid of. But the fact of the matter is, is you and I have old habits because we've been trained in them. And that's what he's going to talk about today. That's what he wants you and I to see because there's actually something better that you and I need to grasp. So let's look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 20 together. It's going to be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to read along with us. Here's what he says, verse 8. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you serve those which by nature are not God's. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Brethren, I urge you to become like me. For I became like you, 
You have not injured me at all. You know that because of the physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject. But you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you, that you may be zealous for them. But it is good to be zealous in a good things always, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you, I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. All right, now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take this passage, and what Paul's talking about here is very personal. What Paul's talking about here, and we're going to divide it into three sections. We're going to look at how he's going to talk to them about how they become enslaved again. And I think that's very relevant to where you and I are at today, because some of you, let's just be honest, some of you have become enslaved again. What do you mean enslaved again? I've been saved. Yeah, but you've become enslaved again, and we'll see what he's talking about here in a moment. Then we're going to see that he's telling them to think back. Think back to when he was with them. And we're going to see some things that are relevant there for you and I as well. And then we're going to move on, and we're going to see what the real deal is with this whole issue of you working for your acceptance with God. Something that you need to understand. So let's look at this together. That's what we're going to focus on here because we're going to try and break those old habits in our lives that you and I become enslaved to. So let's, first of all, we're going to look at verse 8. Look at what he says in verse 8. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you serve those which by nature are not God's. Here's the first thing I want you to see, okay? Before salvation, you were enslaved to a system of working for acceptance. Before salvation, you were enslaved to a system of working for salvation. In the Galatian mindset, in the Galatian lives, he's referring to the fact that they grew up in a system of trying to appease the gods. If you saw things were going bad, then you needed to make more sacrifices to the gods because you were trying to manipulate them and trying to do what you can to make sure that your life would go okay. You were in a system of trying to find acceptance. You and I are, have been raised in that same kind of system. You say, hold on a second, George. Not in our culture. We don't have gods that we're trying to gain acceptance from. You're right. We don't have idols that we're trying to gain acceptance from. But the fact of the matter is, you were raised 
in a system of acceptance. What do you mean? Think about it. From the moment you were a child, from the moment you first spanking or disciplined by your parents, it was all about you doing the right things in order for you to be accepted by your parents, by your coach, by school teachers, by the boss. It goes on and on. We live in a culture of acceptance, of doing things for acceptance. And when people don't do that, they're labeled as, isn't that true? He's just a rebel. He's just a rebel. So what we're seeing here is, is he's pointing out that before salvation, you were enslaved to a system of working for acceptance. But then note in verse 9. Verse 9 he says, but now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you have turned again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? Here's what he's saying. Since you've been saved, you have once again enslaved yourself to works. Now look at how he describes salvation here. I think this is interesting. I've got to make a point here. Look at verse 9. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God. Here's what he's talking about. When you and I became believers, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, God knows you now. That's what he's referring to. You have a relationship with him. But what he's saying here in verse 9 is, is even after you've experienced salvation, have placed yourself again, you've enslaved yourself again to a system of works. However, now the system of works is something completely different. It's our old habits. We feel we've got to do something for acceptance with God. Now, let's just remind ourselves of something. Could you do anything for salvation? I think you and I would have to agree there was nothing we could do for salvation. Nothing that we could do to gain acceptance. No amount of good things was going to get us accepted with God. No amount of good things was going to get us out of hell that we so rightly deserved. We came to Jesus by faith, George. Yeah, you did. You came to Jesus by faith. Now, what makes you think that the continued acceptance with God can happen by what you do? But that's what the church culture is trying to communicate to us. You need to give. You need to be here. You need to uh, read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to do all of this stuff. You need to serve. You need to volunteer. A lot of those things you can't do right now because of the crisis. Isn't it interesting? But that's the emphasis that we give, right? Now, all of those things I just mentioned to you are good things. They're not good things if you're doing them to gain acceptance with God. And people will do that to try to manipulate God. That's getting back to that old system. They're enslaving themselves again to the old system. You do those things not to gain acceptance with God. You do those things because you are accepted. But here with the Galatians... And I would dare say with a lot of you, you're doing them so that God will accept you, so that he'll show favor to you, so that he'll bless you or answer that prayer. And so they become enslaved again. Enslaved again. Look now at what he says 
in verse 11. First of all, he says in verse 10, you observe days, months, seasons, and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Here's what's going on. When he talks in verse 10 about you observe moons and festivals and stuff, these Gentile believers were now putting great stock in what the Jews were doing as far as observing their festivals and their diets and their new moons and everything. He says more often than not in his epistles, don't follow what they're telling you. Don't pay attention to ancient Jewish myths. He was concerned for them because they were enslaving themselves to a system. And so here's what he's saying. This return to enslavement makes your salvation meaningless. Boy, that's brutal, isn't it? But that's exactly what's going on here. Listen to me. I want you to listen to me. If you're operating right now with a concept that your salvation has to be maintained by you doing certain things, you say, well, I don't operate by that. No, but if you're operating by the mindset that unless you have your prayer time this week, the way you always have it, you're not right with God, or unless you're giving, you're not right with God, or unless you're doing this or doing that or doing this, then I'm telling you that makes your salvation meaningless. That's why Paul says in verse 11, I am afraid for you, lest I've labored for you in vain. What he's saying is, is that if you've embraced that kind of thinking and enslaved yourself, Galatians, all of the effort and the labor that I put forth in bringing you the gospel of grace was meaningless. Because salvation is meaningless to you. Because you've, you've embraced a thinking again that it has to do with what you do to be accepted with God. And let's just remind ourselves again, you already know this. There's nothing that you can do to be accepted with God. Nothing. It's all about Jesus, what he did for you. But here they are, they've enslaved themselves again to the thinking. And I just think about so many Christians, so many Christians who are enslaved right now enslaved to, quote, carrying the right version of the Bible, enslaved to thinking about how they should dress when they come to church, enslaved to thinking about what type of music they should be listening to or where they should go and where they can't go and how much time they spend in prayer and should they pray about this. Even today, we're even telling people how they should vote. You shouldn't vote that way if you're a Christian. Baloney. That has nothing to do with salvation and spirituality. Take a step back. Think about it. It's about faith in Jesus Christ alone and something new. But here's the problem. We've got these old habits. And with those old habits, we enslave ourselves. Enslave ourselves again to a system of works where we have to work for acceptance with God. That's what he's talking about here. 
That's what he's talking about, that they're enslaved again. Some of you have enslaved yourselves again. Here's what he's going to do now. He's going to come to verses 12 through 16. And it seems kind of like a personal discussion there. He's talking about his personal time among them. But what he's doing by referring to his personal time among them in these verses, he's wanting them to think back. He's wanting them to think back about his time among them and how he ministered to them. And he's wanting two things to happen here. And let's talk about those two things. Here's the first one. He's saying to them, you were ready for the message of grace when you responded to it. You were ready for the message of grace when you responded to it. That's what he's trying to say. Look, you were in this, caught up in this system of trying to, to manipulate the gods and trying to gain acceptance with them, and you were realizing there was nothing that you could do for your salvation. It was just this endless cycle of bondage. And when I came along with the gospel of grace, you were ready for it. You were ready for it. You know what? Think about it, folks. When you heard about Jesus and you responded, you were ready for grace. You were ready for the grace of God to take place in your life. You were ready for it. And see, in his personal story here, he talks about how they were willing to overlook things to hear him because they were ready. What do you mean overlook? Well, he talks about that he had a physical infirmity. And scholars believe what, the, what he's talking about here, and it makes reference here in a minute, I'll show you what he's talking about, that he had an eye problem. Where did he get an eye problem from? Well, folks, remember when he had the Damascus Road experience where he saw Jesus, what happened? happened to Paul? He was struck blind. That would forever mark him, forever change him, to the point that his eyesight was probably never the same again. He could see, but not like he could see before. And so when he comes to these Galatians, here he has this eye problem, and they're willing to accept him because they're ready for the message of grace. Now that would be significant. Why? Because in their culture, and we see some of that in our culture as well, if you had some sort of a deformity, people were like, ooh, stay away. But they were willing to listen to him. Why? Because they were ready for the message of grace. And he's wanting you and I, think back. Think back when you got saved, you were ready for the message of grace when you responded to it. In fact, here's the second thing he wants to point out to them. You were willing to do anything for God in response to the God's grace. You were willing to do anything for God in response to that grace. In fact, he goes and says very clearly, look, I think it's amazing. He says, if it were possible, verse 15, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. He's saying, you Galatians, you were so excited about the message of salvation and you saw my problem, you would have given your own eyes to me. You would have done anything. You think back. I think back to when I first came to Jesus in 1985. That grace that was shown to me, April of 1985, wow, 35 years ago, 35 years ago, just this last week we were in, I would have done anything for Jesus. I was so excited about the grace in my life. 
I would have done anything for him. And I did. I did. And that's what he's wanting you to think. He's wanting you to think back because you were zealous for the Lord. You would do anything for him. Now, the problem is, let's just be honest with you. Sometimes in that zealousness of wanting to do anything for him, we find ourselves doing things we shouldn't be finding ourselves doing. What do you mean? Sinning? No, no. Enslaving ourselves into an old, another system, which is what happened with them which is what happened with them. So he's going to tell them now the real deal. The real deal. We're going to see that in verse 17 through 20. Look at what he says in verse 17. He's talking about they. He's talking about these false teachers who are propagating this message of doing something for acceptance with God by keeping the law. He says, they zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you that you may be zealous for them. Wow, what's he talking about? Here's the first thing. People impose spiritual rules to follow for their own benefit. Here's what happens. It happens in church. You know, I, I kind of have to say this. Church develops its own caste system. Do you understand what a caste system is? Caste system, it really comes from the whole concept of Hinduism where you have different groups of people and some are of the upper caste and some of the lower caste and you can't intermingle, okay? A church has its own caste system as well where you have the really spiritual and the really spiritual tell everybody else how they're supposed to live what they're supposed to do to be accepted with God. Now, the problem is, is that there is nothing that the lower class can do to get with the upper class. Do you understand? And so they impose this system, but you can't ever be accepted. Isn't that what he says here, verse 17? They want to exclude you. That, you know, oh, you're saved, I love you, Jesus, but you'll never be like us but you need to do these things. They're imposing these laws on the Gentiles, keeping them down, but telling them they'll never get right back up to where they're at. That's the real deal, what's going on here, folks. When people are imposing on you, this is what you need to do. You never get up to their level. In fact, I'll be honest with you. We know from other passages of Scripture, the stuff they're telling you to do, they can't do it themselves. But they've got this spiritual hierarchy going on. Okay? Now, I want you to notice now verse 18. But it is good to be zealous in good things always, but, on, but not only when I am present with you. Here's what it is. It's good to be passionate for the Lord, but not a system. It's good to be passionate for the Lord, but not a system. And this is what happens, okay? A lot of times when you, you go to churches, sometimes people will get so caught up in the rules and the regulations of what needs to happen they're more passionate about doing what's right and, and, and standing for the Lord and having a good testimony than they are for the Lord. In fact, isn't that what Jesus was saying in Matthew? 
when he was condemning, when he was pronouncing his woes on the Pharisees and scribes about how they will chase after one proselyte and they'll make that one proselyte twice the son of hell. What in the world is he talking about there, twice the son of hell? He's talking about how they'll chase after one proselyte and he'll become so zealous, he's even more zealous than they are, thus condemning himself twice more for hell. This is what happens. It's good to be passionate for the Lord, but not a system. Not a system of do's this and don't do this and, and, and whatever, because nobody can keep that. That's what he's talking about here. Nobody can keep that. He's wanting you and I to have a different kind of life. A different kind of life. Look now at verse 19. Verse 19 and 20, actually. My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you, I would like to be present with you now to change my tone, for I have my doubts about you. Here's the final thing I want you to see about the real deal. The tendency to enslave yourself again is a concern. Let's just stop. Remember now, we're from a culture that basically is built on doing stuff for acceptance and achievement and approval. We are products of that. Now, the problem is, is we take that system that we're raised in, that we've been trained in, and we bring it over into our faith, into our Christianity. And the tendency that you and I have to be enslaved, again, is the concern. That's why Paul says he wants to be with them, because he has his doubts about them. That's something you and I need to be aware of. All right, so listen to me. Listen to me. You know that there is nothing that you can do for your salvation. Nothing. You are saved because Jesus died for you on the cross. He did everything for your salvation. There is nothing you can do for your salvation. Who's the only one who can do it for you? Jesus. It comes down to whether or not you believe him or not, or you have trust in him. Whether or not you commit yourself to follow him. That's where salvation comes from. Nothing you've done. But somewhere along the line, because we're in this culture of doing stuff for acceptance, you've got to fight against your natural tendency and your natural way of thinking, well, I need to do this, and I need to do that, and I need to have my read my Bible this many times a week, and I need to pray this much. No, no, you need to pray and you need to read your Bible because of the relationship with Jesus, not because you're trying to gain the relationship. Do you see the tendency? That's a concern, and it needs to be a concern for you and I. That's what Paul's stressing here. We have a tendency to gravitate back to our old habits. And we've got to stop it. Here's what I want you to think about. Two things that I want you to carry away from what Paul's talking about today. Two things. Here's the first one. It's easy to lose track of the grace shown to you by Jesus. It's easy to lose track of the grace shown to you by Jesus. 
Listen, folks, you and I, let's just be honest, we take for granted salvation. We take for granted that he saved us, not because of us, but because of what Jesus did. And we lose track of that. We lose track of the fact that there was nothing that you could do for your salvation. It was all because of Jesus. And in losing track, you find yourself caught up in a mindless enslavement bondage to, quote, doing stuff to get yourself accepted by God. And how do I know that? Here's a simple test. When stuff's going wrong, when stuff's going wrong in your life, what's the first thing you ask? If it's, well, maybe it's because I didn't do this, God. If I start doing this again, will you show favor to me? That's a sure sign that you've enslaved yourself. You've enslaved yourself to an old system. It's easy to lose track of grace shown to you by Jesus. Here's the second thing I want you to see. You make your salvation meaningless by striving for acceptance with God. Whoa. That's brutal, but it's true. When you and I are caught up in a way of thinking that says, well, if I didn't have my devotions with Jesus this week, I'm just not right with him. You are making your salvation meaningless. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I got four kids. I love my kids. Listen, they don't always do the things I want them to do. They don't always do it the way I want them to do it. They make mistakes, just like I make mistakes. They're human beings. They do wrong things. Now listen, when they do things that are wrong, and when they don't do it the way that I want them to do it, does that mean that I all of a sudden decide I'm going to quit loving them? No! They have love from me because they're my child. Not because of what they're doing. Listen, that's the same thing with God. We're his children. He loves you and will be there for you. Now, he's doing things in our lives, molding us, moving us in a direction. He allows things to happen to mold us and move us in a direction. But it's not because you're not doing the right stuff. See, when you start thinking that way, you make your acceptance with Jesus, your salvation, meaningless. Have you been doing that? If you have, you just need to tell him right now, God, forgive me. I've lost sight of grace. Help me to regain it. That's what you need to start thinking about. Are you enslaved? It's time to break out of that bondage, friends. It's time to kill those old habits and recognize the new life that you and I have in Jesus. Let me pray for you.